Hi, I'm Shannon Salvestro, Literacy Coordinator, K-12 for the New South Wales Department of Education. This morning I have travelled to Cherry Brook Technology High School and I'm sitting in a room with Eddie Wu. He has very nicely agreed to have a chat with us about engaging students. Eddie, thank you for having me here today. Shannon, it's a pleasure. Thanks for dropping by. Yeah, great. I, I chose this topic with you in mind. Um, I just had a sneaky suspicion that you might have some good insights um, and some information and, and you know hot tips that you can share with other um, schools and teachers. Let's start by defining what we actually mean by engaging students. Is it simply just getting their attention? I think one of the easiest misconceptions to fall into is that an engaged student is a busy student. And yeah. I remember thinking that when I was, you know, very early career, um, I would walk past the classroom mm. and I would see everyone with their heads down, everyone mm. would be furiously, busily doing a task. And mm. I thought, wow, that looks like engagement. And it didn't take that long until I was in my own classroom and I would sometimes set a task where I, I thought, okay, yes, everyone is is doing something, they must be engaged. But when I spoke to students, when I interacted with them and, and tried to you know, do some little formative assessment within the lesson, I quickly established they were not engaged in learning. They were engaged in a task, but that didn't mean they were actually developing or, or challenging their own assumptions um, or building new skills. So for me, what student engagement means is, are they actually engaged with the content, skills, uh, building a conceptual framework, um, establishing a new perspective on an idea um, that you know is actually going to expand their knowledge and understanding of an area. Yeah. For me, when I think about students who are often, for example, in a mathematics class, it's a really mm -hmm. typical thing to say, okay, um, I'm going to teach from the front of the classroom, mm -hmm. I'm then going mm -hmm. to give you some examples and then expect you to uh, you know, use the skills that I've just demonstrated in a series of your own exercises. All the way through that, it's tempting to think, okay, if everyone's quiet, yeah, paying, yeah. looks like they're paying attention, it's tempting to say they're engaged that whole mm -hmm. time. And I'm sure some of them will be. But um, significant proportions of that class may not be engaged at all because that explanation is either too fast or too slow for them. Um, yeah. The task that they've been given might be something which they can go through mechanically without developing any understanding or growing mm. in any way. Mm. And so engagement, I think, is something which is, uh, it's really about the student experience and what they're getting out of that. If they aren't growing in their knowledge and skill, I don't think they're engaged. Yeah, absolutely. So you hinted there at perhaps a few factors which impact on student engagements. Um, what do you think are some of those little factors that can, you know, impact when I'm when I'm picturing a student and whether they are engaged or not, and uh, if they are disengaged, what is it that I as the teacher can do to assist that? Uh, probably the two main things in my mind are, number one, where is the student coming from? Mm -hmm. where, where have they arrived from uh, cognitively, socially, behaviorally? What's their context that then I'm expecting to place them into a lesson from. And secondly, what is it that I as the teacher am doing in the classroom? And I think it's really important to keep those two pieces together uh, because I, I think I think back to university when mm -hmm. I was learning how to plan an engaging task, you know, mm -hmm. and I would go and do my research and yeah. I would think, okay, I want to teach fractions, decimals and percentages. What's a really interesting hook that I can bring in? How yeah. will yeah. I design what the students are going to participate in, what they're going to create? 
And I would think a lot about that, but often I ignored that students are coming into that classroom with very different assumptions, very mm. different backgrounds, mm. very different pieces of interne- interconnected knowledge or, or gaps in their knowledge, which I was not taking into account. Mm. in my task design and so as a consequence even though I thought I came in with this whiz bang lesson that was going to be brilliant much to my surprise the kids were disengaged so I think that those two pieces there um, they've got to be front and center in the mind at the same time for any teacher who wants to engage their students so it's kind of like you're trying to marry what works best on a on a whole class level and what you know what what you're you're thinking about your content how you can present that but you have to marry that in with these individual students in the classroom. I mean, so, I think the yeah. uh, Australian yeah. Professional Standards for Teaching That's, laid out so clearly yeah, that yeah. standard one, standard two, no students how they learn, learn uh, yep. no no content skills and how to, yeah. how to teach it. And you cannot, uh, while we can articulate them separately, in the classroom you can't divorce can't, them. They yeah, have to operate yeah. together. Yeah. What are, what are actually the real, like what are the signs that they're engaged in learning and that it's going that that engagement's going to have a positive impact on their learning. Yeah, so I think of three dimensions that I um I'm very heavily leaning on the research of um Dr. Catherine Attard, who mm-hmm. is a um, she's a, a primary mathematics focused educator who works at Western Sydney University. And uh, she talks about engagement um, as having these different dimensions. Yep. And I use them as my lens through which I, I try and work out, is a student engaged or not? So um, off the top of my head, there's the affective dimension, the cognitive dimension, and the yep. social dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see, is is this child, what is their emotional state as they set about in the task? Are they, are they responding with me? I mean, it's even as simple as things like posture, or the look in yep. someone's eyes. Are they, are they leaning forward? How much are they... Um, responding to me uh, verbally and non-verbally in the classroom as I do something perhaps beside them from the front of the classroom um, or as I'm just watching them sort of um, set about their own task. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a that's sometimes difficult to quantify, but it is no less important in terms of me saying, you know, yes, that kid is switched on. Sometimes it is literally from the look in their eyes and I can tell mm-hmm. that. But yeah. that by itself is not, enough. not enough. You know, um, yeah. I, I can, as a, as a teacher, using my 10 plus years of professional judgment, mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. look at someone and think, I think they're really switched on, yeah. but other factors tell me otherwise. So there's that cognitive dimension. Yeah. Um, I mentioned before formative assessment. I think yeah. all forms of assessment, you know, as I speak to a student, as mm-hmm. I question them, mm-hmm. as I give them as I give them a summative assessment task at the end of things, and mm. do, did that student really learn how to uh, differentiate, uh, you know, polynomial functions and be <laughs> able to come up with the answer accurately? Well, if they were engaged with the task that set, helped them set about learning that, then I then I will see that you know through their cognitive demonstration, their display and the communication of those knowledge and skills. Mm. So that has to be there that cognitive piece. Yeah. And then lastly, that social piece. Mm. I think that. Uh, knowledge is constructed uh, socially. I mean, we can we can do that as individuals, but if we can't, for example, share those ideas with others, and one of my favorite quotes is, you do not understand something truly until you can explain it simply. Yes. And uh, I think often in the classroom, I, one of the things which we'll probably touch on later um, is a peer tutoring initiative that mm-hmm. I've introduced to my school in mathematics. And students who volunteer to tutor um, are senior students, year 11 students, stage six. And um, I'll have them help out year seven or eight students. Mm. And they'll say, oh, okay, no problem. This is year seven or eight maths. It's so easy. And then I put them to the task of answering whatever question it is that their student, their little 
you know, the student they're mentoring to help, you know, help them out. And they might come to something like, say, long division, which is something they can do. They can perform the algorithm, but they realize by placing themselves in the position of having to explain that, they realize they do not understand why long division works. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm looking for that social piece. Are, are you able to uh, demonstrate the evidence of your engagement in, in that social context? Do I see you actually interacting with others, helping out a peer, or perhaps articulating your question when you don't understand something to the person beside you or another member of the class? When I look at all three of those aspects and together. dimensions together, yeah, yeah. that gives me a really consistent sense of, is this student engaged or are they not? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned peer tutoring. That's something we were having a very big chat about yesterday. It's, um, it's very powerful. So what about high expectations of your students how how does that come into play as well is that important for engagement I guess it comes back to knowing your students again doesn't it yeah I definitely think that expectations are a huge piece of engagement and that's I feel very easy to illustrate by counterexample I've as a mathematics teacher um walked into so many classes where I can see students are disengaged as a clear there's a very dramatic cause and effect relationship between an environment in which they are not expected to uh, be able to achieve at a particular level. And so why would the students therefore put the effort, be motivated to engage with something that's frankly very difficult, often abstract, Mm. if you already think I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to do very well this. I I remember Mm. very clearly walking into a classroom at the beginning of the year um, and meeting a year 10 class that had, uh, you know, they were a low achieving class for many years and had been, um, were, the whole the whole class was composed of students who had struggled to meet um, learning outcomes from every academic year that they'd been through. I remember introducing myself to this class and being very enthusiastic. And as the weeks and months progressed in this class, um, I'll never forget, it was about week seven of term two. So these kids have known me for a good three, four months now. And I walked into the classroom the way I usually do with enthusiasm. And the ki- one of the girls said to me, sir, have you, you not given up yet? <laughs> like, why have you not? And I, this really <laughs> yeah. struck me because yeah. in a flash, I realized that this student, this is what I mean by low expectations. Yeah. This student had been through 10 years of education, mm. having had low expectations given to them, so delivered she, to them yeah. verbally and non-verbally. So she was just kind of waiting, waiting for me. Waiting for you to give up. Waiting for me to give up. Up yeah, that's right. She was waiting for the penny mm. drop and she was kind of like, mm. so, you know, some teachers are slow, but seven, you've had me for 17 <laughs> weeks by now. Shouldn't you have worked so, this out? So what did you do? Well, I said to her, you know, this, my wrong mm. Is I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm here in this classroom, in this school, mm. because I'm here to grow you. If I didn't think that were possible, I wouldn't be Maybe. here. Yeah. That's why I that's why I come to work every day, and it's why I enter your classroom mm. with the expectation, yeah. with the high expectation mm. that no matter what concept I'm teaching you today, mm. whether it's algebra or trigonometry or solving equations. Um, I do expect you to be able to meet that, and perhaps that will require some scaffolding. Perhaps that will require some differentiation in the kind of product that I expect you to uh, arrive at the end of this lesson with. But I absolutely expect you to have the capacity to engage with this. And mm-hmm. so um, I think that you know when that environment is not there, that's almost like a um, you know you're signing a blank check to kids to say, well. Mm-hmm. I, you don't think that I can do this, so why should I bother trying? Mm. So I think that that expectation 
is a necessary, yeah. uh, a necessary but not sufficient um, uh, prerequisite yes. for student engagement. Obviously, it won't do if all you do is say, it, I expect yes, you all to be, you know, it, yes. and don't provide the environment I, and support I, for I'm that. getting the idea that it's it, this is kind of like a, like a jigsaw puzzle. You have to have all the pieces in there to to be, to have it complete and to be successful. Absolutely. You know, one little part yeah. of this this isn't enough. I yeah. think about it a little bit like, uh, and maybe this is because mm. I went to an agricultural high school. Mm. So for six years, mm. this has been the metaphor dropped into my head. But I think about learning and student engagement rather like I think about the growth of a plant. Um, mm. When a plant grows, it needs mm. water mm. and nutrients in the soil and sunshine. It needs all of these things. Um, each one on its own isn't enough. Mm. But, but if you do combine them all together, the results can be wonderful. And it's not because... We as teachers were able to produce some artificial construct here. The children themselves have the capacity to learn. All we're doing is providing the environment that can unlock that learning. Oh, love it. We could make a beautiful poster out of that. <laughs> Eddie, I'm looking at your book over there, Woo's Wonderful World of Maths. I haven't read it yet. I will. I promise I will. But I I have a feeling that your understandings of, of student engagement and all those pieces in the puzzle could possibly um, have helped you write that book, yeah? Yeah, I, for me, this book came out of, in many ways, that exact journey that I was, mm. I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as disengaged with maths when I was at school, mm -hmm. but I certainly didn't engage with the subject and the discipline in as deep a way as I could. I, I sort of stayed at a superficial level. I, I could, you know, perform algorithms and solve problems and come up with answers that were mostly the one that was in the back of the book. And so I got I got ticks on my work and, and, and did reasonably well. But uh, there were many things that I never, you know, I, I remember going to university and hearing people, you know, people who were career mathematicians. Mm -hmm. And they would describe the subject as beautiful mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. elegant. And I just thought, what subject are you talking about? I mean, I didn't mind maths, but I didn't think of it like that. And as I got on the journey, you know, 15 years ago now, um, when I started to become a teacher and engage with this subject for a different reason, because I didn't just want to pass an exam, I wanted to uh, give a, a, a genuine and authentic reason to the students I was going to teach that, yes, this matters. Yes, you should absolutely invest time and effort into it because of this. It was through getting on that journey and engaging with the subject in a deeper way that um, I realized, oh, now I see what those mathematicians are talking about. And um, I made all of these discoveries that, about the subject that I didn't know when I was at school. Mm, yeah. And it was those discoveries and that the product of that deeper engagement, that engagement at a deeper level with mathematics that sort of created the book. Great. I can't wait to read it. Can we do something else? Can we do a scenario? I'm going to set a little scene and talk through... Maybe some some you know your hot tips on how, on what we could do in in a situation such as this. So here's here's the here's the scene. We've got a teacher in a high school. We 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 won't say what subject. She's just our teacher. Any subject. Uh, she has been looking at the information that that she has on her students um, in in terms of assessments, recent assessments. They're looking. Um, she's looking at it and thinking, but I, I, I taught this. Why aren't they learning this? I, I, you know, I've taught this. And not understanding why the, the, what she's seeing isn't showing evidence of what she taught. Mm. Um, she's recently heard about an exercise of just sitting back and observing students while they're, while they're working in the classroom. 
and so she, next lesson she does that. She sits down and she observes a student for a minute, writes some notes, observes another individual student for, for a minute, writes some notes. She tries that. Her notes, let's just, let's just choose a few random um, examples of her notes. So for her first student that she observed, she has written something like, um, student is sitting, doodling, drawing a picture, hasn't attempted um, the, the task that he was um, given. Next student, this student is working uh, but very slowly, keeps stopping, chatting to, to student next to uh, her, but it is not, it's off task chat. Next, let's just have one more student example of, it, of the observation comment. This student hasn't started doing anything, has just been sitting. She actually has written in her notes, ask students, where is your book? Student has replied, my book's at home having more fun than me. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah. So... Let's say that you had a chance to have a chat with this teacher and, 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 and talk through her situation. What would be hot tips? What, what, what's, what could she do? The first thing that immediately comes to mind is uh, a quote I remember from one of my university lecturers. And uh, this was coming in the context of, I think, us, you know, third or fourth year um, university students had just come back from one of our practicums. And, you know, uh, student teachers famously struggle with with classroom management and engaging students. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so this comment in the lecture came in that context. And uh, the lecturer said, you know, 99% of the problems that you see in class, they started outside of class. And so my mm -hmm. first thought is, these three children, what is going on in that context that has led them to this? Are they, you know, are they in between, you know, mum and dad's home at the moment. Mm -hmm. So they're just, mm -hmm. you know, they don't even have one of the reasons, perhaps this, this student who um, has left their book at home, maybe one of the things that uh, they're trying to avoid saying is, I left, I left it at mum's house. I'm currently living with dad at the moment. I can't, I just can't get there. And I don't want to, I don't want to start a big conversation mm. about that now, mm. but it's just, it's just too hard. It's just in the too hard basket mm. and I can't fix it now. So I'm just going to, you know, that's, that's my response. That's why I'm lacking that. Uh, perhaps another student is just, um, has just had a fight at lunchtime and mm. is, is now therefore struggling to get themselves into the headspace where they're thinking, uh, yeah, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm reading an essay or I'm trying to solve a maths problem and I'm just not emotionally there to gain focus and to um, get these distractions out of my mind. Mm. So the immediate first thought is um, these three kids, um, they've come into my lesson and that, that lesson, for me, you know, I've got my, I had my lesson plan. I was going to have my opener and then there was yeah. the body and then I was conclude. <laughs> but that opener, it didn't go to plan, <laughs> unsurprisingly, mm. because the beginning of my lesson was not the beginning of that student's experience mm. of learning that day. Mm. So I, I want to get a better sense of the holistic context that, that mm. student is, those students rather have come into my classroom. Then my next thought, um, going to that, so I guess in some ways that's the, um, that's the affective and that social dimension mm. we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I now want to think about the cognitive dimension. These students are disengaged. Mm. Um, this this child, for example, who's busy doodling. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, why is it that they've um, struggled to then to then begin? Perhaps it was that there was something in the way that I introduced that task that just you know I remember <laughs> I would. I plan out my lessons as an early career teacher and I would have my instructions all perfectly laid out and I would say them precisely once and I would yeah. expect my students to then just know yeah. exactly know what to do. clear <laughs> as crystal like it was in my head, I expected mm. them to engage. Mm -hmm. And I realized that in fact, you know, I'd say something 
And if I spoke for any longer than 90 seconds, then the first thing that I said was forgotten by the time I got to the last thing. And they'd say, wait, what are we supposed to be doing again? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I am thinking about what was the way in which I introduced um, that task that perhaps uh, left students, you know, a bit confused and at their own devices and like, I don't even know where to start. And I don't want to put my hand up because I feel, I'll feel silly doing that amongst mm-hmm. my peers. And I'm also wondering, are there pieces of knowledge or skill that I have assumed my students are in possession of or have mastered that they clearly have not? And so therefore they come to my task and I've told them to have a go at the quadratic formula and I'm expecting the students to do that. background knowledge yeah. to be able to access They are lacking the, yeah. the foundation which allows mm. them to engage substantively with mm. the task that I've provided for them. Mm. Um, yesterday I was with um, some early action for success schools as part of the Building Numeracy Leadership um, Initiative. Yeah. And one of the things which uh, Michelle Trigoni, who's uh, taking the lead on a lot of that part of the numeracy aspect of that, mm. One of the things that she was explaining was the great degree of sophistication and complexity there is, even at a kindergarten level, mm, for mm. students counting to five. Mm. And, you know, as a high school teacher, I'm kind of like, what do you mean counting yeah. to five? You just count to five. And she'd talk mm. about, you know, um, she'd talk about abstraction and cardinality and, uh, you know, order and difference and all of these complex concepts underneath that are all interrelated and if a student doesn't have all those pieces beforehand mm. and then here I am saying okay everyone I expect that you're ready to count to five and off we go talking about subtraction we are not ready for yeah, that so at all those assumptions that's right so as a teacher I would say yeah. to this this person who's uh, made these observations mm. mm-hmm. what assumptions have we made about students knowledge and skill mm. um, that perhaps need to be revisited mm-hmm. and uh and reinvestigate to see perhaps there are pieces missing. Mm. That that's why this student is disengaged because they they're not they're not going from A to Z. They're actually behind A. They're not ready for that first point that I thought was the beginning, mm. but they're actually not there yet. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like there's a quick fix, but there certainly sounds like there's things there that you could immediately tweak and change to put the steps into motion to, to be able to get there, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. uh, you pointed out, you know, there are there are definitely things that I could do right in that classroom mm. just to say, okay, well, I'm going to sit beside each of these kids and I'm just going to ask them, okay, where are you up to? Can you take mm. me back to, I see that you're having trouble with this, can you take me back to the last thing it was that you did understand? And I mm. do that frequently with kids when mm-hmm. they come to me with a problem and they arrive at their point of confusion. And that's why they put up their head. And I say, that's okay. I can help you with that. But in order to bring you to, if I just give you an answer to your point of confusion, it will be often a disconnected piece of abstract knowledge. Yeah, there's Mm. this gap in between Mm. the part that you did understand and now we're here. Mm. I'd much rather go back there because I can build upon that. And mm. then actually we can go to, you know, we can get to, we can make some progress. I think those immediate strategies are very important. Yeah. But if, you know, engagement is a long-term game. Mm. And mm. that's why I think it's so important to understand where the students are. And would that be something to not only have a chat to that individual teacher about, but perhaps look at what's going on at a whole school level to support that as well and have a have a culture of student engagement within the, the school itself? Absolutely. That's a much yeah. bigger <laughs> hundred percent. Yeah, and I think yeah. that one of the things, and this is a comment which obviously is a little more relevant to the secondary context, mm, but mm. one of the things which I've gained the most from and have always felt like, oh, I don't have time to do this, mm. but I've come to say, actually, you know what, you don't have time not to do this, <laughs> is to, if you've got a, a student in your class, you're like, Shannon's really struggling in my class, what's going on here? 
my first port of call is I'm going to talk to all about Shannon's other teachers. Yeah. And very, very often um, I will get a picture that forms of, mm. yeah, you know what? Um, she's actually, she's disengaging with, with every KLA. She's really mm. struggling. There's something bigger going on. Or maybe mm. actually, no, you know what? She's fine in, in visual arts. She is loving, you know, PE. What's going on in English that is the reason mm. why she mm. just seems to have fallen off? Maybe that's more of a sign. It's something cognitive going on, something in her continuum of learning that's fallen off. Socially, I don't think there's any problems because otherwise I'd observe You'd that across the board. Across. That's right. Yeah. And even if it's, you know, in a primary context, it might not be my colleagues who teach her currently. It might be who had her last year, mm. what was going on. Was has everything there been, fine has there? there? Something changed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get those pieces there because we're teaching children, not teaching yeah. subjects first. And so we want an understanding of those students. I just loved it how you said, I don't, I don't have time for this, but... You, 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 you don't not have time yeah. for this. Because I, I was actually thinking before when you were talking about finding out about each of those students and, you know, what, what have they come to the classroom with? Have have they just had, you know, issues at home or something happened in the playground or all those or, – or taking the time to talk to teachers. I'm thinking, gosh, in a, in a busy classroom with, you know, all these children, how do you have the time to, to make that connect with each and every one? So that was – Really, really, really good that you said you don't not have the time to yeah. do it, more or less. I mean, Shannon, one of the right? things you yeah. said before yeah. was, you know, this teacher perhaps is, is feeling frustrated and upset that mm. I've taught them this, why is it not clicking? And often I feel we end up by not taking these, uh, you know, time-consuming, but I'd say, you know, investments of time to try mm. and get at the root of what's going on. Mm. We end up chasing our tails, spending so much work teaching and reteaching mm. a concept when actually well, there was something, something fundamental that we were missing. A little tweak you could That's make, right. But... And, you know, we're actually, yeah. we don't need to keep beating our head against the brick wall. Mm. If we question our own assumptions about why our teaching uh, practices are not engaging a student, mm. maybe that's the really important piece that would change uh, the, the engagement level of that student. Fantastic. Thank you for your insights. My pleasure, Shannon. If you would like to learn more about this topic, we've got some links to some further reading and suggested resources in the notes and on our web page. If you'd like to suggest an idea for a podcast, just email literacy.numeracy at det nsw.edu.au and just put podcast in the subject line.